0: Welcome to episode 10 of Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, with Young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. Before we get into it, man, I've got a new record out. It's called The Lost Archimedes. You get it over on Bandcamp, youngsouthpaw.bandcamp.com. It's got a lot going on, man, talking about interdimensional reptilian pancakes David Lee Roth being psychic, manufacturing my own action figure line with Jean-Paul Sartre, of course, you know, with or without Kiss makeup, still figuring that one out, and a whole lot more, man, all in the pursuit of love. It's over an hour of all sorts of, well, you know, all for five bucks. Today we've got Bo Butler, host of the Pension in Public podcast on the show. You probably heard me talk about Tommy P a bunch. I love those books, man. And Bo interviewed me last year on the Pipcast. Episode 82, Year Diver Down came out. It was a lot of fun. I mean, Diver Down and the Hide Your Sheep tour, obviously, but also Bo and my conversation on that episode. Now, if you're a Pension fan or just looking to understand some of the books better, I can highly recommend the Pension in Public podcast, the Pipcast, as I said. You know, I've been listening for years, man. And if you haven't read them, I, I highly recommend getting on that too, man. Well, you should, I, I assume you would read them before you listen to a podcast about them, but you you, know, you do whatever you want to do, you know, I'm not, I ain't going to stop you. I'm a Pynchon, but to get back to my recommendation, Pynchon seems to know everything about everything and they're very entertaining, very profound books as well. So let's get to it. All right, we're here this evening with Bo Butler from the Pynchon in Public podcast. How you doing this evening, Bo? I'm doing all right so far. So far. The night is young, eh?
1: Uh, That's a relative term, but yeah.
0: So let's let's get into it. For people who might not know, can you describe this Thomas Pynchon for us?
1: Well, well, the most basic thing is just he's a a postmodern American author. I usually tell people he's most known for his book, gravity's rainbow and possibly for his appearances on the simpsons ah
0: yes with a bag over his head right
1: Ah, uh, yes nice
0: do you have a bag over your head right now i might ah we're not doing video listeners so i have no idea and i guess none of us ever will man so how how did you get into this crazy world of having a podcast discussing the, the genius that is Tommy P.
1: Well, I'd like to say it was my idea, but it wasn't. It was someone else's idea. I had read a few Pynchon's books at that point, and uh, some people on Twitter were talking about starting a podcast, and I sort of just signed up to more or less be a panelist, but as things went by I I kind of ended up running it.
0: How does that feel?
1: A little, a little weird, honestly. I didn't expect to be running, you know, a podcast. I was just a fan of podcasts and of uh, Thomas Pinchett.
0: How long have you been doing this for?
1: About six years, a little more. Whoa. That's,
0: that's half a dozen.
1: Yes. If we add a little more, it's, half a baker's dozen true
0: true has thomas pension ever written a book about baking
1: not that i'm aware of though a thomas Pynchon cookbook would be interesting
0: yeah it would It'd be crazy I, I bet you know
1: though i think wasn't the, i think there's a baker maybe in mason and dixon that sounds familiar i was thinking of
0: the duck isn't there a duck in Mason and Dixon? And, like, you wouldn't want to have that in the cookbook. It'd just be off-putting because that duck is so awesome. Well, but it's it's a mechanical duck. Yeah. <laughs> off-putting for many reasons. <laughs> that's, a,
1: that, that's a valid point, I guess. Yeah?
0: Unless uh, maybe, like, Jaws, you know, from James Bond. You know, maybe he... I don't want the mechanical duck to die at all, but I guess if it had to be eaten... You would want Jaws, maybe, was there like a deleted scene from The Spy Who Loved Me that had this happening?
1: So, so Jaws is a character.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not the shark. I mean, I, I don't think sharks read cookbooks. I mean, it probably wouldn't be profitable for companies to put those out.
1: Well, I, uh, the lack of hands is probably a problem.
0: Money getting all wet, you know? Are you not familiar with the uh, the Bond films, The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker?
1: I, I have only ever seen the Daniel Craig Bond movies.
0: Oh, man. This is a whole separate discussion. We could go. I'm going <laughs> to rein it back into Tommy P. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get on that, though. Maybe maybe next time when we reach the full Baker's Dozen, we could have like a bond Pynchon crossover. Like if Pinchin, left, Pinchin started writing Bond novels, too, and like, you know bond novels and cookbooks maybe even combining those i don't know how it would work but it seems like a million seller you know
1: it really does so but i mean has there's been more bond books than what ian fleming wrote right oh yeah
0: yeah they uh Kingsley Amos did one in 1968 under the name Robert Markham, and that was going to be the name they were going to use as like a a cover name for anyone who was going to write them in the future. And then Ian Fleming's wife put the kibosh on that. Then they came up back in the 80s with John Gardner. Then in the 90s, Raymond Benson. And then lately, people have been doing one-offs, and they're real good, you know? I'm pitching should totally write one.
1: Well, I'm saying you don't know he didn't. That's true.
0: That's true. Matt. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I can yeah. just assume he wrote them all.
1: You could. All the
0: ones I like, you know?
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. All the other ones were by Jonathan Franzen. Ooh, I've never read
0: Franzen, but I assume that is some what people call shit talk.
1: That That is some high-class, post-postmodern podcast shit talk.
0: Yes, Whoa, we're getting into it here, folks. We're going deep. But let's get back to what you're doing. I mean, so word on the street, and... I guess by street, I mean the internet, which you know, isn't really a street, but it's the information superhighway. That's kind of a street, right? You know, faster, more dangerous, but calling it a street would be like a misnomer, you know? I mean. Well, I, I think I've gotten lost in the middle of this question before I was even halfway through, but uh, I, I guess here's what I'm trying to say is that you're doing Pynchon's novel V this season, right? Yes. Which is his debut and not fifth book, as the name implies?
1: Correct. Have you reconciled that? I have not, honestly. There's a possibility that he wrote it after what we think of as the, the following four books and then went back in time. And had it published first. Maybe that's how it makes sense.
0: Oh, I like that. Because he writes about time travel a lot, too. You know, trying to goading us on to, like, you know, putting forth this theory.
1: Yeah. Or telling us a secret the whole time.
0: Yeah. And it's weird, too. Like, you hold up two fingers to make a V, too, right? Which is confusing in and of itself with the five and everything. But, like, it's not his second book. either. Not his both his first and second book, you know? I don't know what kind of math is involved, but the second one's got a 49 in it, right?
1: Yeah, but you know what I've always wondered? Why why do we hold up two fingers for V and not three fingers for W when W means win? Oh, that's real good. Ah.
0: We got to start that. I like holding up three fingers anyway, you know? It's one more than two. It's one better.
1: Yeah, plus we would always know The Germans.
0: Yeah. What did the Germans do? Do they they hold up three for W but say V? Something like that, yeah. I think. But like V is victory. Like, who wins in this pension book
1: of the same name? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Are you covering that on the podcast? Uh, so normally when we do up a podcast i i I come up with an outline so that our discussion doesn't go all over the place as it can kind of do and usually when i do that outline i i assign specific questions to you know for people to answer so i will probably give that question to someone else
0: all right i'm looking forward to hearing their answer man
1: me too and
0: like but like I just can't get my head around this Roman numerals thing because Inherent Vice has the initials IV, you know, which implies yeah. four. But that's not his fourth book either, right? I mean, What's going on there?
1: Well, not unless we go with the time travel theory. Then, you know, they could be in any order.
0: That's true. He's just placing them in the streams of time, which yeah. I mean, he's kind of doing anyway.
1: Right. No matter how you look at it. So what i've kind of wondered if is if i if inherent vice iv is meant to be a prequel to v
0: oh that's good even though it takes place later
1: it's kind of a pre-sequel is that
0: a thing it makes sense when we're talking about tommy p i mean you know stuff's so wild
1: anyway right or would a pre-sequel just be the original movie
0: Man, I am stumped on that question. It seems like it wouldn't be, but maybe like a, a twin.
1: Well, let me ask you this: What's the pre-sequel to Empire Strikes Back? Attack of the Clones. Just because they were the second in each trio. Okay, I see where you're, I see where you're going. We're back to back to twos now. Mm. Interesting.
0: But I got a whole another different answer now because I thought about it logically, you know, with my mind. And All right. The the pre sequel to The Empire Strikes Back has just got to be The Empire Strikes.
1: Oh. See what I'm saying? I, I see. I do see what you're saying. I don't know that I can refute that logic. And that's why we've never seen it. That's exactly. why to, it has to be a pre sequel. Okay.
0: But like with this whole, like, let's, let's say that he's not time traveling man like this whole number and system thing like it's just so odd Like i mean the guy went to cornell i mean did you not need to know how to count properly back then to get into an ivy league school
1: well i mean i think you just said it ivy league
0: oh man you're blowing my mind bo it's right there but i mean like then he worked for boeing i mean how do those planes even fly
1: Well, they started to develop that kind of technology for those kinds of planes with the V-2 rockets. So he obviously talks about
0: this in Gravity's Rainbow. I mean, there's so many layers to that book. Yeah. Do you think he numbered the pages himself?
1: Of, like, every copy ever?
0: No, just, like, on the master copy, you know?
1: Uh, Probably, they yeah, probably did. I mean, if you were handwriting it
0: or typing it up, you would have to yourself.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, they had to do all kinds of things back then that we don't have to do now.
0: I miss it, you know. Not that I ever wrote Gravity's Rainbow, but I mean, you know, maybe this time in lockdown, maybe I should. And then just have the pleasure of numbering the pages.
1: Or you could just number pages.
0: Without handwriting them out myself?
1: Does a page have to be written on in order to be part of a sequence?
0: You're getting mystical, man.
1: Does that kind of thing is how you end up running a pension podcast?
0: Yeah, let's let's get back to that. What what season? What can you tell me about this new season? What season is it?
1: Well, I would like to tell you that it's season five. Mm. But it's season six. Oh, like Nikki Six of Motley Crue? spelled a bit differently but
0: yes have you guys like adopted him as like a patron saint or something
1: I don't think that's the best idea Oh really Uh well patron saint of what
0: of this season of your podcast obviously
1: So the two things I think that Nikki Sixx is most well known for right after playing bass and writing songs for Motley Crue are not being able to play bass really at all and a heroin overdose. I'm not sure we want him as our patron saint.
0: That's a valid point, I guess. Another word with V in it, you know, just to keep that. keep that in <laughs> Now on, on Twitter, it's the Pipcast for Pinching in Public, P-I-P, you know, like Pip, you know, was that main character in Dickens's Great Expectations? You know, I, were you originally thinking like a Great Expectations podcast?
1: No, honestly, when I when I think Pip, I think two completely different characters. One is Pippi Longstocking, oh, ah. but the other is Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Ah, right, and it was I was thinking about. Doing a Lord of the Rings podcast, and I decided to do a Pynchon podcast instead.
0: I, I didn't even think of those just because you know, great expectations is always on my mind. Like it's like it's Dickens is one of his shorter works and like, but I was thinking this like Estella is his love interest in that book. You know like Estella like stars like astrology. You know like Pinchin that's like a huge interest in that. I, yes. thought, I was wondering like maybe you could come. Bind the two, you know, like have like Pynchon's entire ouvre and like Great Expectations by Charlie D.
1: Well, sure. In Against the Day, Reef's wife at first, and then she becomes Frank's wife, the father or sorry, the mother of Jesse from Vineland. And we're back to the V again. Uh, her name is she's usually called Stray, but that's short for Australia. Oh, whoa! Whoa! stars.
0: Oh, man. This is crazy. And, like, I'm, I'm saying, like, well, you just, you know, you hit me to Lord of the Rings and Pippi Longstocking, you bring those two into it as well, you know? Like, all three of those stories take place, like, in Northern California, you know, like Vineland, you know? They got all the same pinching characters, but with an addition of Pippi Longstocking, Pippin, and Pip. You know, A right. P's going on, you know,
1: written by. Pinto. Yeah, I think we'd have to cover it.
0: Oh, yeah, totally.
1: It'd be another season of work right there.
0: Would you get Nikki Six involved in that one?
1: I might. Is if he would bring Mick Mars along.
0: Oh, yeah. Bringing it to astrology yet again.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think it's good to have, well, depending on the time of year, but to have Mars in my house is probably a good idea.
0: Now, now you're a big fan of David Foster Wallace, too. I, I've never actually read him, but, like, Infinite Jest, is it, is it actually infinite? Because, I mean, it's like a big book, but it has a back cover, so that implies it ends, you know? It,
1: it does imply that it ends. The book kind of ends oh. in that the words eventually stop. But a story is not words on a page. That you can number. You could number, yes. Hmm. I don't know if he numbered them himself.
0: And well, we'll never know now, huh?
1: No, no.
0: Mm-hmm. Man. But I mean, like, are the jokes, you know funny enough to sustain that,
1: you know, all the jesting. I find it to be a pretty funny book.
0: But it's not like just like the world's biggest joke book. No. Like a thousand pages of knock-knock jokes and whatnot.
1: No, though that I would probably also buy.
0: And I know that you're a big fan of that film Holiday Inn, as am I. And like the two... Yeah, we were talking about Mason and Dixon before. The two female leads in that are named Linda Mason and Lila Dixon. Like, before you read that novel, were you thinking it was just like a a making of, tell all of that film? I mean, like, Pitchin was only five when it came out, but he could have been one of those kids, you know, in that opening scene that Fred Astaire Mm -hmm. gives the money to. And then, like, Mason and Dixon is just like his reminiscences of just being on set.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, I thought Mason and Dixon was going to be one of those novels where they tell the same story, but from a different character's perspective. So it was going to be the story of those two side characters.
0: Ah, oh, that would be rad, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, both of them sort of talking about what it's like to have both Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby like fighting over you.
0: And I imagine, like, if Pynchon was, like, five and he was, you know, just hanging out on set, he's bound to fall for actresses like, you know, Marjorie Reynolds and Virginia Dale, who played those two, you know, all love-struck little boy.
1: How could you not? Yeah.
0: So, I mean, is Mason and Dixon in any way like that?
1: No. no. Well, there's snow.
0: That's true. Man, if, if Holiday Inn had a mechanical duck, that would have been wild, you know?
1: That, that would be. Like, maybe,
0: like, when Fred Astaire's trying trying to find his new partner, you know, after Lila leaves him, maybe he could have, you know, danced with a mechanical duck just to see what it was like.
1: Well, I hope he doesn't do that dance with the fireworks, then. (sighs) That would have been crazy, you know.
0: (laughs) I shudder to think.
1: Gonna end up baking that mechanical duck one way or another.
0: Man, I don't want that to happen. I've stated that before.
1: That is unsavory, I believe, is the word you used.
0: I hope I did. That's a good word. (laughs) I said, you know, Marjorie Reynolds, I said uh, she plays Linda Mason. Has Burt Reynolds ever been in a Pension book?
1: Well, no, but he was in a movie that was directed by a guy who also directed a movie based on a Pension book. I
0: didn't even put those two together. That's crazy.
1: So, yeah, we can sort of Kevin Bacon him in there if you want.
0: And like Boogie Nights, you know, the duck's dancing. You get the mechanical duck in that film too, just showing he survived till the 1970s.
1: That'd be great. I mean, that would be... Like last season, when we were talking about Bleeding Edge, we discovered that the sort of offspring, if you will, of Byron the Bulb still existed. And that really warmed my heart. Oh, mine too. I would love to know that that the mechanical duck was still out there somewhere. Maybe not... Making porn in the 70s.
0: Yeah, that would be, again, unsavory, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Even if he didn't have the obligatory 70s porn mustache.
0: I didn't even picture the duck with any hair. Oh. Yeah, I'm not going to think about that. I don't want to have any nightmares, you know.
1: Well, I mean, Donald Duck sometimes has a mustache.
0: Does he? I don't remember that. But I mean, I suppose it's plausible. I'm gonna have to Google this. Man. what is he like incognito or something?
1: Yeah, or uh, I seem to remember an episode where he was dressed like he was on the safari. And I feel like he had little, like he, he, I mean, he painted him with like a little pencil or something, but he made himself a little mustache, yeah.
0: Whoa, this is ringing some bells. I seem to remember him dressed as Santa as well.
1: With like yes. a long white beard. Yes, though I don't know that he painted the mustache then.
0: Uh, well, I guess you wouldn't. No. But I want to get to the question I think we've all been waiting for. like, Well, a series of questions, actually, if I'm honest. You're a big Rush fan, right? This is true. Think Tommy P would make a well, no, makes makes of Rush?
1: That's a really good question. I, I, that's almost impossible to answer, but my guess is so, so we talked about inherent vice, there's a lot of songs mentioned in inherent vice, and my guess is that th- those songs are what what Thomas Pynchon listens to for the most part, or at least. Of, that, of those genres. Um, there's some crossover in a weird way. Um, their drummer, Neil Peart, was heavily influenced, or I should say really his dad listened to a lot of um, Sinatra and, and, and those kind of things, and, and you see some of that come up in Inherent Vice, but I don't know that Thomas Pynchon has ever listened to Rush, but I think since I like Thomas Pynchon, and since I like Rush, I think Thomas Pynchon would also like Rush.
0: Yeah, it's like with the transitive property, maybe?
1: Yeah.
0: Though we He's, all know I, I him in mathematics works, so I, I can't guarantee if I would like to think so, too. Yeah, I think, th- I think it works the same way. And Neil Parrott, you mentioned, I mean, he was a big reader. You know? I, mean, I wonder, I was thinking, like, what if, like, Tom Sawyer was originally called Tom Pynchon, you know? Scans the same, and, and like, catch the mystery would certainly apply.
1: That is that is true. Um, honestly, I think the whole thing would still apply, but it would be hard to sing. Today's Tom's pinching Mean, Mean Pride, it just doesn't yeah. work.
0: That's probably why they changed it. Yeah,
1: yeah, probably. Just went into, with a different character, yeah. Tom Sawyer's never
0: really made sense to me in that song either. Me like either. Modern Day Warrior.
1: Yeah, me either, I'll be honest. Okay.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> Now, are you holding out hope that Pynchon will write a Rush biography one day?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think think we all are. I think we're all holding out hope that Pynchon will write a biography of our favorite people. Yeah. I think we all want to see that.
0: It'd be good. I'd certainly read it.
1: I tried to find... For for some time, Neil Peart on on his website had this. It was called one of his nicknames was Bubba, and he called it Bubba's Book Club. And he would talk about or sort of do little book reviews of you know books that he was reading at the time. And I and I've tried to find if he ever read Thomas Pinchon, and I don't see that he did. Oh. Uh, you know, it's not like there's lists out there of all the stuff that he read or anything like that. But just doing my own research, I I don't I don't see that he that he did. And it's strange because he went after a lot of the a lot of the classics. And I feel like you know he he read he read both The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged at a very young age. If you're willing to read Atlas Shrugged when you're, you know, nineteen twenty. He should probably have tackled Gravity's Rainbow at some point or another, but I don't know that he did.
0: I was thinking this, like, uh, I mean, Gravity's Rainbow is huge, and so is against the day. And then, like, I mean, that first side of 2112, and heck, like, Hemispheres, too, you know. They're like ancient yeah. novels of rock and roll just for length, really.
1: That, that's a valid point.
0: Thank you. I thought of it all by myself. Very good. We talked about Bleeding Edge before. I mean, the season that you just finished, like, Maxine goes up to Canada. Like, did you have any discussions? Were there any episodes, like, about why there wasn't an extended section on Rush? Like, heck, like he could have brought Getty Lee into the narrative, even. That would have been cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, we didn't, we didn't discuss it on the podcast. I, I had it in the outline, but I deleted it at the last moment, really just for time.
0: Yeah, I mean, that'd be at least one whole episode, if not the entire yeah. season, you know? Yeah. And what Felix Boyne was is that the Canadian? He's not that yes. major a player in the book, if I recall.
1: No, and, and I, would, I would, that's probably why the presence of Rush in the book was minimized. Yes.
0: Mm. Do you think every editor has that conversation with their author? Like how much Rush we should have in this book? I hope so. I mean, if you're hand numbering pages, you know, you got time to be writing in rush scenes, or I guess deleting them if it's too much, you know?
1: Yeah, see, if you get rid of the rush scenes, that's fewer pages you have to hand number.
0: It seems like a complicated mathematical equation, which I'm not fully attuned to figure out right now, just off the top of my head.
1: No, me either.
0: Well, well, that's all the questions I have for you. Do you have anything you would like to add or you know, promote or anything like that?
1: Well, you can find the Pinchin' and Public podcast at uh, com, or you, you can you know, find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, as uh, Mr. Southpaw here mentioned, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can just do a search for Pipcast or we're at PinchPod. Or sorry, at Pinchin Pod. I always get that wrong. And um, yeah, otherwise, I I don't know why I don't have anything to to promote. Especially if you mean in that sort of Boston sense where promote means to take something from. I don't know why I would do that. So uh, yeah, I'm no. not
0: sure why you would either. But not that you bring it up. Hmm. But I was thinking, it's pinch. It's what it's pinch pod?
1: It's pinchin pod. I just always think it's pinch pod.
0: Okay, it's pinchin but like peas, like is this more fuel for the cookbook?
1: Oh, wow. That is that's that's peas in a pod right there. Yeah, of course. Well, there there's that guy Michael, right, who's doing like all the drinks in
0: all the uh in all the pinchin novels, right? Like someone yes. should do the uh all the food, right? And then you could have like a buffet. Somebody is, actually. Really?
1: I not, not not as a buffet, to my knowledge. <laughs> That'd be wild. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's essentially doing what Michael's doing, but with food. So he's making the the dishes and things like that. Yeah.
0: Whoa! Even I, like the pizza with ketchup and Mason and Dixon.
1: I, I presume he'll get to it.
0: Oh man, that's wild.
1: I mean. If, he, if, if if Michael has, has drank vodka with vegetable soup, I think this other guy can handle pizza with ketchup on it. And Michael did that recently, right? Did he do it on your show? I drank that one on our show. And then he, at some point afterward, he drank the other, the, the other two drinks that he didn't drink when we interviewed him. Um, for authenticity's sake, he said. I wish I knew the the website of the person who's doing all the food. I only found out about it yesterday, I think, and I haven't looked into it yet. So whoever whoever that is, good job.
0: This was a timely conversation then.
1: It very much was, as most things are.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Bo. You're welcome. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Glad the mechanical duck is all right. And I guess making films now for decades. You know, like that Joy Division song. Actually, the films, or at least Holiday Inn and Boogie Nights, aren't anything like that song. So, uh, whew. Well, you can find the Pension in Public podcast over at PinchinginPublicPodcast.com. Don't forget episode 82. Another conversation between me and Bo. Easy to remember, you know. Year Diver Down came out. Little Guitars, man. One of my favorite tunes. Such a killer riff, you know. A Melody line. Riff and melody, you know. As it should be. And Secrets, that's a good one too, you know. And there... Not Diver Down, the Pinching and Public Podcast, they're at Pynchon Pod over on Twitter, you know, like Peapod, you know, like that delivery service, I guess they kind of are like a delivery service for the understanding of postmodern literature. And like, if you haven't read any Pinching, I highly recommend it, man, I love those books, Against the Day is my favorite novel of all time, and, and like I said, Pinching just seems to know everything about everything, and they're very entertaining as well as profound, so... Yeah, get on that, you know. Let me know what you think. And, you know, maybe we should get on, you know, starting a diver down Twitter account. I should check to see if that already exists. You know, it very well might. You know, dreams do come true sometimes, you know. And think about it, if Diver Down has a has a Twitter account, you know. I mean, that's probably I mean I don't I don't want to I don't want to slight it in any way, but it's probably my least favorite of the original six albums. So like one can only I mean just a Twitter account for the song Unchained, you know? It's just simply the song Unchained playing all the time. No one would ever get off Twitter. You Not that they do anyways. And don't forget there's a new Southpaw album out over at youngsouthpaw.bandcamp.com, The Lost Archimedes. And I've been putting a bunch of clips and like live shows that are live in lockdown for Joyzine. There's a bunch of these over at YouTube. If you subscribe to the channel be very much appreciated same if you sh- want to share these episodes you know or review them very much appreciated thank you very much i'm gonna play you out with a lovely little closing number that the pinching and public podcast did for the outro music on their last season of the podcast for bleeding edge